Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. A little traveling music. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. Travel is sort of the theme for this week's episode. I am Ken Levine. Glad you're here. And here's something that I have done for about 20 years now. Anytime I go away on any kind of extended vacation, I would come back and write a hopefully humorous travelogue that I would send out to anyone on my address list. And eventually that address list grew and grew. And uh, after... A number of years, I was able to compile enough of these things that I was able to make a book out of it called Where the Hell Am I? Trips I Have Survived. It's available on Amazon. And so recently, my wife and I went to Europe for a couple of weeks. And so this week, I thought I would share my adventures with you. I'm going to read what I wrote to everybody. So you're now one of the people in my distribution list, and I may embellish from time to time. And first of all, let me just say, I apologize in advance if I mispronounce any foreign word because I'm just terrible at that. I'm just terrible in foreign languages. You know, grazie, mercy. I, I'm terrible at that sort of thing. So uh, from time to time, I'm going to have to drop a name and, uh, you know probably going to sound like I fell off a turnip truck, but you will have to understand. So this was a trip that my wife and I took a few weeks ago when we went to Europe, and it went a little something like this. It had actually been 12 years since Debbie and I visited Europe, so we decided, you know, to do it now, this year, while NATO countries are still talking to us. And the plan was to spend four days in Rome the site of a horrible Woody Allen movie, then a week-long cruise down the Mediterranean, which is my idea of glamping, and finally a couple of days in Barcelona, which is the site of an only slightly better Woody Allen movie. And here's the thing. We get to Rome, and we're driving in, and of course I'm looking forward to seeing all kinds of historic sites. And what's the first thing I see, and this is true, an Old West Steakhouse, and then there were McDonald's. There were McDonald's everywhere. No Starbucks, but there were McDonald's. And the thing about McDonald's, and this is probably why they were just so popular in Italy, is that they served beer. So people would go there for happy meals and hours. 
Eventually, we did tour the famous Coliseum, modeled in ancient days after the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, but the one in Rome has held up better. From 1000 B.C. until the present, I learned this from our various guides, no Roman of any note has died of natural causes. Everyone was stabbed, burned at the stake. They were gored, poisoned, assassinated, stoned, or they committed suicide. So who needs cancer research when the second leading cause of death is beheading? No buses will be allowed in Rome as of next year. And they currently have these double-deck tour buses just like they have here in Hollywood. Here is where Lucille Ball once lived with Cosmo de' Medici. The streets are very narrow. I'm sure you've seen films, hopefully not the Woody Allen film, but uh, you've seen films and pictures. And the streets are very narrow. And so there are a lot of Priuses, which pretty much are like Chevy Impalas back there. And there are a lot of statues, lots of statues. I am surprised that there is not a statue for the man who invented gelato. The gelato back there is just unbelievable. And I also hope that his entrails weren't yanked out of his body because some emperor thought the pistachio was bland. No taxi driver in Rome, I learned, can read an address without putting on his reading glasses. You know, that really instills confidence, and it's kind of why every cab ride felt like the chariot race in Ben-Hur. There are like five or six hard rock cafes in Rome. How many guitars did Jimi Hendrix have? You know, it turns out that we were not the only people who wanted to visit the Vatican. Who knew? In terms of subject matter, I sensed a very definite theme there. The Sistine Chapel is truly as awe-inspiring as advertised. Now, it is worth the trip to Rome just for that. But here's the thing. You walk in, and it's perfectly quiet, except for the fact that there's like a million people. You're like jammed into, it's like a mosh pit. You're jammed into the Sistine Chapel, and it's very quiet and solemn and spiritual, except you hear this voice on the PA system constantly going, silence, silencio, no photos, no videos, quiet, silencio. And you figure, well, okay, that's fine if it's God, but it's not. It's just some schmuck with a microphone. At St. Peter's Basilica, I saw the holy door. Now, it is normally opened every 25 years. Ah, but there was one Jehovah's Witness just knocking and ringing the bell. You know, I was all set since I happened to be there. It's my first time in Rome. I was all set to get together with Pope Francis, you know, and have him guest here on the podcast. But he ducked me and went off to Ireland. That's fine. Next week, I have Nels Scavell. As I mentioned, there are no Starbucks. In fact, there are as many Starbucks as vomitoriums still in Rome, but vomitoriums are missed. In many restaurants, this is true also, a bottle of water costs more than a bottle of wine. 
I caught Italia's Got Talent. Yes, they have that over there, too. Sorry, not the night I watched. Topo Gijo could kick everyone's ass. And then I also saw Man with a Plan, you know, the uh, Matt LeBlanc show. Man with a Plan was dubbed in Italian. And it's kind of weird hearing a laugh track in a different language. And to answer your obvious question, no, it was not any funnier in Italian. We had to go to the Spanish steps. You know, you get a list of all these things that you have to do, and one of them was had to go to the Spanish steps. You know, what a magnificent sight. And it's this is giant concrete staircase, and everybody's just sitting on steps. It's Coors Field. It's the bleachers without the drunks. And you sit up there for like 10, 15 minutes, and you just go... What are we doing here? What, what's the big deal with this? Interestingly, though, next door to it, there was a house where John Keats and Percy Shelley shared a house together. And immediately, my thought goes to, boy, there's a network sitcom, right? Although these days, Sinbad would play Keats and George Lopez would play Shelley. We went to the Three Coins in the Fountain. Fountain, you've seen that. Well, mobbed with people. You couldn't get close to that thing. And all of the coins went to these weasel vendors who were selling selfie sticks. And then there's the Pantheon, built for the God of Pagans. In America, we call that the White House. Now, every night... Other than Friday, we were there for four days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And every night, other than Friday, it rained. And Friday night, however, was glorious. It was warm. It was comfortable. The Piazza Novano, hope I pronounced that right, was teeming with people and caricaturists. And I figure if Michelangelo were around today... He'd be out there with sample drawings of Michael Jackson and Mr. Bean picking up extra euros, sketching goobers from West Virginia. Now, I talked about this a little bit on my uh, blog. You know, these motorized bird scooters that are strewn everywhere. And people are riding around in these things. You're supposed to have helmets. They don't. They're crashing into cars. People are tripping over them. There's going to be thousands of lawsuits. I hope they're finally banned. But I do hope that the bird scooters go to Rome. Because considering all of the cobblestone streets, there will not be a single rider who doesn't just go flying right into a wall. So that was four days of Rome. Saturday, it was onto the ship. We took the Seabourne Encore for a week's cruise down the Mediterranean. Why? Okay, I'll be honest with you. The part of travel that I hate is checking in and out of hotels and getting taxis and getting on trains and getting on planes and you're late and the room isn't ready and it's like... All of that aggravation of travel is what turns me off. And so when you take a cruise, the countries come to you. (laughs) Yeah. However, the first night 
we had gale force winds and the roughest seas that the crew has ever seen. Now, a few years ago, I took a cruise from Australia to New Zealand and in the Tasman Sea hit a cyclone. Yes, a cyclone. It was like 120 mile an hour winds. There were waves that were splashing off of the observation deck windows. And that was deck 11. So our first night was not as bad as the cyclone. And it was not as bad as the book club. By the way, I cannot say enough good things about the Seaborne experience. They go so out of their way to give each passenger individual service that John, who was the pianist in the lounge, played the MASH theme when my wife and I entered, which I thought was pretty cool. And if that wasn't a salute enough, the next day the ship held an emergency medical crisis drill. I felt so special. So normally you go on these cruises and you expect to meet nice people. And sure, they might be Tony and Carmelo Soprano, but as long as you take a day tour with them and he doesn't spot someone in the witness protection program, you're pretty much fine. Still, I much prefer mob killers to Trump supporters, and there were a few of those. (laughs) I avoided them. Uh, Our cruise director was a former opera singer. Now, the last time I went on a cruise, the cruise director was a former linebacker for the San Diego Chargers. So they're obviously looking for a very specific type. And this cruise director, whose name was Chris, did a great job, reminded me of ex-NBC president Warren Littlefield. So it was very odd for me seeing the former head of the National Broadcasting Company leading conga lines. Another nice thing about the cruise was that it stopped in a different port every day. Personally, I didn't care where. I was just happy to walk off the meals. As for the destinations, first up, Corsica, where Napoleon was born. Now, you have to have a pretty sorry bucket list if visiting Napoleon's changing table is on it. Next day, we were back to Italy. Corsica is actually in France. We're back to Italy where gasoline is $8 a gallon. But it's a rich, full-bodied gasoline with just a slight woodsy aftertaste. The Tower of Pisa really does lean. And that is proof that construction contracts have been going to the lowest bidder since the 12th century. It's something you got to see, by the way. Tower of Pisa is very cool. See it in the morning before it gets crowded. After that, we went to this city called Lucca. And the city is completely walled in. And you certainly can't argue with results. Over the last 2,000 years, they've managed to keep out the Mexicans. So there you go. Now, Lucca looked like, if you ever seen the movie Pinocchio, the Disney movie Pinocchio? Well, if there was a Pinocchio land at Disney World or Disneyland, this is exactly what it would look like. I stepped on a cricket and was just so relieved that he wasn't wearing a hat. Cruise ships offer lectures and seminars along the way, and I noticed that there was one on improving your sleep. 
And that kind of sounded interesting to me, so I went. I still had jet lag, so I went. Okay, there's 600 passengers on board the Seaborne Encore. True story, I was the only one who attended. The instructor said, if you're having trouble falling asleep, watch Disney's Christopher Robin or The English Patient. I'm like, okay. And then we made origami birds for an hour. We hit the Italian Riviera and the French Riviera. And the big difference is this. The French Riviera was all about artists like Cezanne. The Italian Riviera is where Frank Sinatra went to bring back jars of pesto. And this was a question that a passenger asked the cruise director. Does the crew get to sleep on the ship? Think about it. Once in Spain, we visited Salvador Dali's castle. And for some reason, the Adams Family theme kept playing in my head. Now, he bought this castle, this enormous castle, and he had it renovated. It must have cost him like a fortune back then. And he built it for his wife, Gala. But here's the thing. She only allowed him to stay there when she chose to invite him by letter. Tour guide talked about that, and my wife wanted to hear more. There are thousands of yellow ribbons that are displayed everywhere in Catalonia. And at first I thought, wow, these people really worship Tony Orlando and Dawn. But it seems that the ribbons are a peaceful way of saying that they want their independence from Spain. That was a big issue. And I say, if it works and they get their independence, all blue states should try it. Next up was Majorca, which would have been more impressive if it wasn't the last stop on the cruise. But by then, it was just more churches, more history, and shopping items that you could only find there and online. Then on Saturday, we debarked in Barcelona, which is truly one of the great cities of the world. It is Paris without the French. And there's amazing architecture a rich history, and now they have five guys. We stayed at a magnificent hotel, the Casa Fuster, (laughs) or Fuster, the Casa Fuster. They must have confused us with somebody important because we were given a suite, and it included a private sauna. All that was missing was Don Rickles and Buddy Hackett in towels. Time was very limited in Barcelona. We were only there for a couple of days, so we had to skip the Museum of Funeral Carriages. I'm a huge fan of Gaudi's architecture. Now, imagine Walt Disney on LSD. Now, I saw two of his gloriously goofy buildings and his true masterpiece, the Sagrada Familia, if that's even close to the way you pronounce that. And here's what that is. If you took every Roman Catholic church in the world and you tossed them all into a blender, that would be this church. It was stunning. And the cathedral was amazing. There's all these stained glass windows that are reflecting different 
colored lights everywhere. It's really unbelievable. And there was no one yelling, shut up, silence. We went to the Jewish corner, which, by the way, is just like literally a corner. All that was missing there was Don Rickles and Buddy Hackett in towels. Now, here's a recommendation, and it is worth listening to this podcast just for this one restaurant recommendation I am going to make. We went to a place called Tickets. It is a tapas restaurant, Tickets, T-I-C-K-E-T-S. Reservations are very limited. You have to do it months in advance. You have to confirm by email the day before. It's a big deal. Reservations are limited, as I said, so Take whatever you can get, even if that means postponing your wedding or open-heart surgery. You are not going to want to miss this place. You know, I would say try this dish or that dish, but I have no idea what I ate. Now, you can either order off the menu or they have what they call a surprise menu. And what they do is they ask you, do you have any restrictions? I don't like olives, I can't eat shellfish, I don't like cheese, that sort of thing. And they mark it down and take it into account. And then they just start bringing you the most amazing tapas dishes you've ever had in your life. It's just unbelievable. Like all kinds of weird... I didn't ask because, you know, you don't want to know. You don't know what's in these things. As long as it wasn't olives or shellfish or whatever you said you didn't want, it was truly amazing. And then they have this thing. It's kind of secret. It's a dessert room. And you have to ask them about it. And they decide whether or not you're worthy of going into the dessert room and if you are, we were very lucky, we were, um, they come back with a box, a wooden box, and they open the box, and you're each given a ticket, hence the name of the place, tickets, and then they said, pick up all your stuff, we're now moving, and then they led us down this dark hallway past the restrooms into another complete room, and it was like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory it was like amazing and the ceiling was all candy and strawberries and raspberries and there were special chefs and we sat at a table and they gave us dessert tapas and it was like one thing was more incredible than the next so if you do go to tickets ask about the dessert room So again, uh, for the sake of the podcast, I was all set to have the president of Catalonia on the broadcast, but it turns out he's exiled in Belgium. I said, okay, I'll take the vice president. Well, he's in prison, but that's okay because I have other great guests on tap and hey, I get people like Earl Pomerantz. Pickpockets are a very big problem in Barcelona. And we're riding on a subway. And by the way, their subways are great. They're clean. The whole city is clean. It's incredibly clean. Don't know how they do it. But anyway, 
some woman started screaming that some punk had stolen her purse. I think that's what she was screaming. It was in Spanish. I couldn't understand. But uh, half the car fled thinking that she had fingered them. We had dinner one night in a bullfight arena. Make sure you use the correct door when going to the restroom. Had a lot of paella, and I was very excited about the paella, but eh, (laughs) at least in the two places that I went to, and they were both like highly recommended. It's like I've had better paella in Encino than I got in Barcelona. Maybe that was just me. So the trip was over. It was time to go home. You go to the Barcelona airport and you go straight from the security checkpoint into a duty-free shop, right? After you put your belt back on and everything else, that's where you go into a duty-free store. It's kind of like Vegas where when you walk in a hotel, uh, you have to like walk through the casino to get to the cashier. Uh-huh. So you have to go through a duty-free shop when you enter the airport after the security check. So then finally, you're let out into the main terminal area where there are restaurants and boards telling you flight status, that sort of thing. And you find out which concourse your flight is due to take off from. So you head towards that concourse. But before you can get to that concourse, guess what? There is another duty-free shop that you have to walk through before you can get to your gate. And I was actually surprised that there wasn't a duty-free shop on the jetway. Somebody going, you know what would look great in that overhead bin? A Dior handbag. Come on now, last chance to shop before the emergency rose. Anyway, all in all, it was a wonderful trip. But after two weeks, I don't think I could look at one more church, statue, fountain, store, relic, museum, gallery, Vespa, monument, or tomb. And now that we're back home, I will leave you with a very special toast. May the only pain in your life be champagne. Okay, that'll do it for this week. Our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler and to Howard Hoffman. Now, you can follow me on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine, and I've posted a number of photos from my trip over the last few weeks. So if you want to see some of what I talked about, then just uh, sign up on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. I also have an email address if you want to get in touch. Easily done, Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. That's Hollywood Levine at Outlook.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ken Levine. Thanks so much for listening. Bon voyage, silencio, and we'll talk to you next week.